Good. Woo. Oh. <laughs> Nothing like some good worship. Oh, my goodness. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? I'm going to say it one more time. Hey, everybody. Y'all know I'm in a response. I like to respond. I like a good response, and I like to give a good response. Amen. amen. You know, amen. <laughs> I think that may be my, my little bit of military upbringing I had. When they ask you a question, you answer it, sir. Maybe that's how I was raised. My father was military. That's how I was raised. Respectful. Well, let me take my belt off on you now. <laughs> Sometimes you might... A good one, good whipping. Okay, <laughs> no whipping today. I'm gonna build you up. <laughs> I thought someone would say, Can I have another one, sir? No, man, it's good to see everybody. We have the joy of the Lord that's supernatural. Come out of time, y'all need to hang around in eternity, amen. Your problems ain't there. Your problems in time. Your issues is in time. I said, God called us. I told you on Friday, God called you to a finished work. Okay, maybe we didn't get that. He didn't call you to get the work. He called you to a finished work. It's done. He requires that which is past. I truly love y'all. No, for real. I do. I love each and every one. Y'all know we had that storm the other day uh, when the wind was just blowing. A lot, a lot of things happened. We had family members get in a car accident, Melvin's sister. Car flipped over and all of that. And the wind did. So I was watching the news, and um, the guy was his family, a father. His last name was Walker, too. And... Uh, Family man, worked seven days a week, sold provider for his family, uh, driving down the road, tree, snapped it in half, died instantly. So you don't know. You just got here by a miracle. And you can't open your mouth and praise God, because that could have been you. He was minded, he's a good man. He was a good man, father. Husband, son, brother. See how we are forgetful? So his brother was on there and his father, they were distraught, crying big time. And his only regret, he regret, he said with his brother, he loved him, but he never told him. Never told him, I love you. So, he said, and that was his regret, is that he didn't, we too macho. We don't tell, men don't tell each other we love each other. Y'all know that's a scheme, not, a, not the path. I taught y'all that on Friday. The path and then there's a scheme. So how much sense does it make to go to the graveyard 
and tell him that I love you? How much sense did it make to text him? And that's what he did, text his brother. After he gone, I'm still waiting on the text, reply. See, you could have just told him that all the days that you saw him. I would hope you tell somebody that you do love, that you love them while they're alive. I don't have to go and tell my father and my mother that passed away. That I love to go to their web, or go to their uh, grave site and start talking to them. They ain't there. Do what you need to do now. Doesn't that make sense? Don't that make sense? If you love somebody, tell them now. You don't have to wait till the baby born to tell her or him that you love them. waste time now he's going to carry that grief with him and be so upset do you think he can hear the call of God how does that work out for him how could God allow that to happen that's what people say all the time one you're in time You just don't know when your time is up. Why y'all blame God for everything? Why you blame God for everything? How could his death, how could that happen? Only sole provider. Well, it works out like this. I'm able to tell you through his death what you should be doing. Now, we don't understand that because we don't even think about him. So I can hear that then you can go to your loved one, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, and tell them that you love them through his death. Okay. That's how I got to say. Went to my friend's funeral. His wife passed at 36, brain injury. Now he's distraught and everything. Yet her death opened the door for me to come to the kingdom. Because the very thing that I said I wasn't going to do, I did. Go to church. And been going ever since. Hello. How could her death bring God glory? Look at you. See how we selfish we are? When it comes to death, you have no idea why somebody died. Why God says now. That'll keep you, though, stagnant from moving on. Loving your, your, your people in your circle even more. God use evil. He commands everything. He's not afraid. Okay. Yeah, I did. Y'all stop blaming God for everything. You don't understand why things happen the way they happen. That's why today you should really be joyful and grateful and kind and have some goodness and some nice things to say. Because you don't know when your time, I'm sure he didn't think that he was not coming home. I'm sure his family didn't think he wasn't going to come home. 
Isn't that something? Soul provider, Jesus. But we can pray for his family. They were the walkers. But today is the day of salvation, so you got to make sure you're in. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Now I live, I need to give you life. You need to live while you're here. Somebody else's life is dependent on your life. Oh, somebody else's life is dependent on your life. Maybe I ain't hear it over here. Somebody, listen, somebody else's life is dependent on your life. Okay. This is going to be a. This is a lot of foundation got to be laid today. Ah, we we talked about last Sunday. You know, he said that if he permits, we can go on to some deeper things. If he permits, I hope I think that's what he's saying. We can do. Teacher, be like, wait a minute. (laughs) Can we go a little? Can I take you down a little bit? Got to have your hearts right, though. Got to love your neighbor. (laughs) Get the elementary things out. (sighs) He wants to take us someplace. Hmm. I want to talk about the two trees. of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let me talk about that. Can we talk about that? Okay. <laughs> but to do that, I don't think they're ready for that part yet. I got to go someplace and I'm going to set it up for you first. Eh? I, said, I need y'all to be astute today. This is some serious foundational stuff. Y'all ready? All right. Go to Genesis. I won't say it. Genesis. (laughs) That's too funny. Chapter 2. Go 8 through 14. We're going to lay down some foundation. I need... This week, and I need next week to do this, to accomplish this. I need you, but I need you to come next week so you can hear this, so you can get, don't get half of it. Don't get one tree and don't get the other. All right? So if I put that out, guess what's going to happen? Everything going to stop you from coming. Let's see if you can persevere. Amen. I got like three people. Mm, Thank you, Hal. And still, no one says, I'll be here. I thought we were one. I thought we was a one unit. Okay. Man, it's hard. Okay. Go ahead. Genesis chapter 2 beginning at verse 8 through 14. Sure. And so reads, And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east, in Eden, or delight. 
And there he put the man whom he had formed, framed, constituted. And out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight or to be desired, good, suitable, pleasant for food. The tree of life also in the center of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of the difference between good and evil and blessing and calamity. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four riverheads. The first is named Pishon. It is the one flowing around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is of high quality. Beryllium, pearl, and onyx stone are there. The second river is named Gihon. It is the one flowing around the whole land of Cush. The third river is named Hideko the Tigris. It is the one flowing east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Something very poignant here is that the tree of life, in some of your translators will say in the mist, um, that's Tavok, and which is center. Um, also, you read that there's another tree that's in the midst, in the center, too. I mean, one would think that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would be tucked away in the corner, obscure, hidden. You would actually have to go find it, not right there in plain sight. Not there right there with the tree of life, both parallel, both at the same time. Paul said, when I would do what? Good, evil is always present. The two trees are still present. Hmm. Go to Genesis, you're still in two. Let's do 15. And building a foundation. So y'all go with me. It so reads. 15, uh, 2, 15, and 17. 15 and 17. It says, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and guard and keep it. Verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and blessing and calamity, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, hold up. Side note. <laughs> First commandment. First commandment ever had to do with food. Eating. First commandment. It's interesting. I want you to keep that in perspective. You must understand this, that during the time of Adam and Eve, they were in a current state of spirituality. Um, they were covered in God's glory at this time. Perfect. Amen? They, their, fle their flesh had not yet lost its shine. Their DNA, everything was working according to the plan. See, y'all just don't understand something. They were covered in the glory at this point. They were not, mm, I'm going to say this, 
They were not mortal. At this point, they were immortal. They were immortal beings at this point. Think about the doctrine of election, teacher. Calvinism. Seems so popular now with Okay. The doctrine of being called. This is very significant at this point to consider that even in their perfection, there were two paths laid before them. In their perfection. They had two paths laid before them. The tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yet they were perfect at this point. Yet there was a path. There were still two paths before them in their perfection. See, I'm trying. It's deep. It's going to go there, and I need y'all to really. I'm going to stretch you today. All right? He said he permitted. That means at least two of you really want to go. At least. They were immortal this time, at that time. This is very interesting. So before we continue to look at these two trees, I want to give you some further insight on these two trees. In order to do that, I must introduce you to the book of Enoch. How many of y'all have ever heard of the book of Enoch? How many of y'all have ever read the book of Enoch? How many of you have ever understood the book of Enoch? Okay. How many of y'all believe that it's canon of scripture? It's not good enough. It's not good enough for people. Not good enough. What I want to do is paint a picture for you. I want to give you some insight on something that is not in the Torah. But I'm not going to just say, hey, read the book of Enoch. I'm going to tell you why. Can I help you? Yes. All right. See, some things you need to know. I'm going to show you some things here. So the book Enoch was found along with um, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, in the caves in Quran, uh, placed there by the Hasins, another Jewish sect. And... The, there were a lot of books that were with the Dead Sea Scrolls. Isaiah, Psalms, the Book of Giants. Okay. All right. But I'm, I'm trying to go in there real easy with you on this. Because it's going to mess with some of your theology and how you've been taught and why, you know. I was at a ministry and I asked him, what about the Apocrypha? He said, you don't need them. Y'all want to know about the Civil War? You can't go and ask a person that was in it, can you? So you got to go to a historical book, right? And gather the information. Is it false or is it true? Or is it eyewitness account? Or is it eyewitness account? That's why you go to a history book. So 
I got to tear down some things. You got to walk through this. Follow me. Wake up. Stay alert. Amen? Amen. All right. God's going to share some things with us. So let's, let's talk about that before we go into it, okay? You shouldn't just blindly go in. Pastor, read it. I just hold on first, okay? Amen. But all by getting, getting an understanding. All right. I'll just read everything. So check this out. The day she grow. What does that tell us that the book of Enoch was found with the scriptures? What does that tell us? It tells us that the Jews and the religious scribes at that time, they read that book as scripture. So you got a library? Who got a library? You got a library of books that you read. I mean, you might have some books in there you haven't read yet, but you got some that you read. That's why it's in your library. Right? So these, these books were found with what they read. This is important to lay down the foundation right for you to understand this. Thousand years ago, these books, they used as scriptures. Well, well what does that tell us about the first century uh, going back thousands and thousands of years, uh, like they found the book of Isaiah, they found the Psalms. These books were found with the book of Enoch. Interesting, I told you, it tells us that, the, that it was read as scripture. They, don't just, they didn't just put, you know, go to uh, Books a Million and just put something in there. They knew why it was there. It was there because they read it. Okay, all right. It's important to know these things. I'm trying to listen to this before we go in. And you need to have this down right. It tells us that they read it as scripture. It was highly esteemed. Let's take it a, little, a step further. It's in the New Testament. That might give it a little more credibility. So go to the book of Jude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You gotta have Holy Spirit to study like this. This is a Bible Bible study group. You are the church, Amen. Jesus said, "Come and learn of me." Well, let's see what He's saying. Judah one fourteen and fifteen. So reads. It was of these people, moreover, that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied when he said, Behold, the Lord comes with his myriads of holy ones, ten thousands of his saints, to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the impious, the unholy ones, of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the severe, abusive, jarring things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. In simplest form, he's talking about false teachers. And y'all know I've been talking about false prophets and false teachers. He's still doing it. We're still on there. So go to Jude, I mean, go to, go to Enoch 1, 9. It so reads, Behold, 
He comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all, to destroy all the ungodly, to convict all flesh of all the works of their ungodliness, which they have committed, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Okay, go back, go back to Jude. It so reads. Oh, oh, go ahead. It was of these people, moreover, that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied. Stop. Hold on. Enoch prophesied. Well, if you want to find out his prophecy, well, where is his prophecy that he wrote? Where is it at? Well, how would Jude? Jude did a cut and paste. The Buena is way, way, thousands of years before Jude. Jude was who? Jesus' brother. Now, if anybody would know about prophecy, would be him. And how would he put in there and say, Enoch prophesied? Hold on. The whole scriptures are inspired by who? Holy Spirit. So how could you actually say, and Enoch, Hanok, prophesied? Unless it's by the same spirit. Allow him to put that in it. Go to the book of Jew, anybody book, and you'll see it in there. How is it a prop? And Enoch prophesied. Well, where's Enoch prophecy? He just wrote, he's just writing Jew, just writing it and saying, and Enoch prophesied. Well, I need to know the prophecy. He said, I'm going to show you where it is. I read it. I know, I know. It's, see, this comes against all of this erroneous teaching. Oh, I'm going to show y'all something today if you'll stay connected. Y'all better, y'all got to hear this. It's going to parlay into something wonderful. We've been missing out. No, because, because you've been listening. See, we won't go to the scripture. The scripture bear witness of itself. What if Jude said that Enoch prophesied that has to be by the Holy Spirit? If it's in the book, the Bible, the canon that you want, where is Enoch prophecy? That Holy Spirit allowed him. Holy Spirit said, all scripture is breathed, inspired by Holy Spirit. And Enoch prophesied. You're not going to see. They take, see, now we just prophesy this. You know, we don't care. Just willing to. Yeah, yeah, mm -mm, yeah, no fear. No fear. But Jude, the brother of Jesus, said, last book, talking about false prophets and false teachers. The book also talked about the fallen angels, one that disrobed, left their residence. But no, we don't want to teach that. We teach the Sephite line. The Bible don't teach the Sephite line. So we don't we don't want see, but this is gonna help you in understanding what I'm gonna tell you about the two trees. 
But I got to lay down a foundation. For you go and jumping in any book, you need to know the foundation. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take my time. This is going to be. That's why I say you, you cannot miss next week. How this is all going to go. You shouldn't want to anyway. I shouldn't have to tell you. Shouldn't have to plead. Okay. All right. I'll take my time. Whew. So, Jew quotes the book of Enoch from the perspective of being inspired. For him to actually say, and Enoch prophesied. Jesus, my God. Ooh. I told you. They just didn't go around talking about, and thus say the Lord. And that one got into the canton of Scripture. Mighty funny that the book of Enoch was found with the Scriptures. It was found with them. See, we. Don't you know God know that? That they will find it? <laughs> Preserved thousands of years. Little Bedouin shepherd just threw a rock in there. Clink. And he went and discovered it. Then, the, then they had scrolls that were in on, um, um, what I want to call this stuff. There was... Uh, scrolls there that were on um, no 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 that's the metal um, copper. So now they have a technology now that they can actually because if they unroll it it's it's gonna brittle it's gonna break. They got technology now that they can actually read that you don't know about. Oh the word of God is legit. Now the Quran don't have no history like this. It just came about fifteen hundred years ago. No no this is way before. So they can actually read. You're going to find out a couple of years when they release it, the scroll. They can actually read them now without unwinding them and breaking them. Oh, the word of God is true. You better, okay. Live right. Get in quick. You closer today than you was yesterday. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. The New Testament takes it a step further. See, it, or, or, or even the, the early church fathers, Tertullian, see, he believed, these are the early church fathers, it, we have to do a teaching on the early church fathers and find out how we deviated. You know, how did we leave from Peter and Paul to, okay. But these were the ones right after them. Okay? They be, he believed, Tertullian believed that the book was inspired. He said, but everyone doesn't. He said, but I believe it is. Mm -hmm. It's also been a book of controversy. Because you got Enoch 1, 2, and 3. We'll be reading from Enoch 1. Other books and, hmm? Yeah, you got the last two. See, that, that's Gnosticism. You got to understand that too. I'm going to keep y'all on the right path though. All right, here we go. 
All right. Because I have to take an account when I stand before him. All right. So what did the believers in Jesus' day believe about this book? They believed that it was inspired. We have evidence that that is so. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go to the book of Enoch and provide you with some additional commentary on this. On these two trees. We, I'm, I'm going to... Enoch was real. Hello? Okay. The book of dedication. His name means dedication. Hanuk. That's where you get Hanukkah from. No, not Christmas. Not Christmas. Not death. No. It's not a mass. This is where you get it from. Enoch is Hanuk. So if you go into the real term, you're going to see Hanuk. You're going to see dedication everywhere. Okay. It's going to get deeper. I need y'all to paint y'all a picture now. Okay? All right. All right. So we're talking about these two trees. I mean, y'all, for real, a tree is a beautiful, it's nice. Don't make you do nothing. Not really. Let's find out about this tree. We're going to talk about tree of life first. So go to Hanok 24.1. And it so reads, From there I went to another place of the earth, and he showed me a mountain range of fire, which burnt day and night. And I went beyond it and saw seven magnificent mountains, all differing from each other, and magnificent and beautiful stones, everything magnificent and fine in appearance with a beautiful surface. Three towards the east, one founded on the other, and three towards the south, one upon the other, and deep rough ravines, no one of which joined with any other. And the seventh mountain was between these, and it excelled them in height, resembling the seat of a throne, and fragrant trees surrounded it. Which verse are we in right now? That's uh, Enoch chapter 24. Okay, keep on. Good one. Oh, keep on. Among them was a tree such as I had never yet smelled. Here it come. Neither among, these, neither among these nor the others, it had a fragrance beyond all fragrance. And its leaves, blooms, and wood do not wither throughout all eternity. Its fruit is beautiful, like the fruit of the vine and the palm tree. Mm. Then I said, how beautiful and fragrant is this tree. And its leaves are fair, and its blooms very pleasant to the eye. Then answered Michael, one of the holy and honored angels who was with me, who was over them. So this tree has this appeal. This the tree of life. It has a fragrance. Put that word on your little notepad. Fragrance. He's describing it. It's beautiful to look at. It's, this is a magnificent tree. My goodness. See, the book of Enoch reads just like the book of Revelation. It's parallel-like to it. Important questions about the fragrance. Let's go to 25. See, they miss it. He said, 
obviously, for him to view what he was viewing, he was not on the earth. He was up above. Enoch's real. Enoch's in your Bible. He was so dedicated, God took him. That's what his name means. Dedication. He was so dedicated. And if you are so dedicated, you'll be taken too. He showed you right there. But, see, we miss this because we're doing Christmas and not Hanukkah. Come on with it. Here we go. 25-6. It so reads. We want to start at 6? Um, yep. Okay. 25-6. Okay. It so reads, then they will greatly rejoice in the Holy One. Its fragrance will be in their bones. And they will live a long life on earth like your fathers lived. In their days, no sorrow, plague, torment, or affliction will touch them. Hold up. Read it one more time. It says, then they will greatly rejoice in the Holy One. Its fragrance will be in their bones. And I tell you, remember that. And they will live a long life on earth. Like your fathers lived. In their days, no sorrow, plague, torment, or affliction will touch them. My goodness. We're giving some insight on the fragrance. It is so incredible and particular that it emanates from our bones. See, I know you think your bones is just to hold you up. Mm-mm. You don't know the purpose of what the God. So you just natural. Hold on. I know that's hard to understand. I know it is. Think about that. It emanates from our very bones. The fragrance. Let me see if I can knock you off the chair. Hmm. Let me see if I can knock you off the chair on this one. See, can we find that in the New Testament? Let's see if we can go and find that in the New Testament, what he's saying right there. We're we, we, we missing some stuff. The New Testament, it, it, this part literally mirrors it identically. I need you to see this information that I'm giving you here. The Apostle Paul was privy. He was privy to something here. He knew this. He knew about the fragrance. He had heard about it. Go to 2 Corinthians. See, we read, but we have no idea what's going on. Holy Spirit is talking. Where did you get that from, Paul? All scriptures is inspired by Holy Spirit. And he don't, he's not double-minded. When he says it once, it's done. Oh, this is going to build. Second Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. Let's go. Got to do it quick because they'll try to read ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got you. 
It so reads. I love this scripture. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph as trophies of Christ's victory. And through us spreads and makes evident the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. Y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready. Come on, come on, finish that thing out. Verse 15. For we are the sweet fragrance of Christ which exhales unto God, discernible alike among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Listen. Verse 16. To the latter, it is an aroma wafted from death to death, a fatal odor, the smell of doom. To the former, it is an aroma from life to life, a vital fragrance living and fresh, and who is qualified, fit, and sufficient for these things. Who is able for such a ministry? We? They weren't ready. They weren't ready. They ain't ready. They ain't ready. That's an exact mirror from what you read in Enoch. That's an exact mirror of what you read in Enoch. See, you don't understand, you don't understand the fragrance. When you eat off the tree of life, what gets into your bones? This is what he's trying to tell you. You don't understand it. Uh 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 uh. No, no, you don't get it. Oh my, my. Why is he referencing uh referring to fragrance and your bones? See, you think your bones just structure to hold you up. But it's the very house, the very fragrance of God that emanates from your body. That's what I'm talking about. Ain't, ain't ready. Woo, teach Holy Spirit. Teach in here. See, I told y'all, y'all don't believe God. I told you last week. He said, if he permits, we can go. Teach, I know we want to just bite off of that. Eat on that and stay right there for a minute. Oh, my God, my God. Paul, Paul knows, Paul, it's the same spirit. No, but no, no, it's not inspired. Why is Paul quoting it? Why is Paul recanting what Holy Spirit has already said? Why is Jude quoting it? Why? See, we, that's right. That's how, that's how it hits you in your bones. See? So, like your prayers, it, it's a sweet Savior in the nostrils of God. That's not mine. That's strange fire. That's not mine. Mm-mm. I know. I know what you've been eating off of. I know what's in your bones. Oh, you thought your bones just structural. You your bones just to hold you up. This is the apostle Shaul. This is Shaul talking. Shaul. It's Paul. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. There is no doubt that Paul understood Yeshua and the tree of life, that they are synonymous with one another. He understood this, that if we possess Yeshua, the very same fragrance that emanates from the tree of life emanates from the bones of the righteous. That's you. That's what he's telling you. This is what he's telling you. See, with all that getting, get an understanding. See, we're just reading scripture on top of the surface. Can we get to the side? That's the revelation, the deep part of it. Y'all, the church telling you a millionaire and all this crazy mess. Oh, just stay tuned. Renee is connected. I got you, Renee. I see you. Woo, she said, this is what I came here for. She said, I'm tired of playing church. I want some meat. Well, God will deliver Okay, hallelujah, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Woo, Paul knew this in his scripture. You're going to read that scripture different now. That's 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. You can read the whole thing. Paul knew that fragrance, if I possess him, that fragrance is in my bones of righteousness. It emanates if we are possessed by it. Mm Mm-mm. My goodness. Why do we call it the tree of life? It gives life. It gives life. That's why it's called a tree of life. That's not a mystery, right? That's the whole point of his name. Life. John 10, 10. What? The deep come, what? The steel is still in the store? But he said, I have come to do what? Give you life and that much more abundant. Woo. Y'all remember that he said, he said, what is it? It's it's shot up in my bones. Who was that? Jeremiah said that? See, we don't get it. See, it's woo. Shut up in my bones. See, y'all understand it. Scripture is he's telling us, and we we can't see what he's saying. Says like fire, shut up in my bones. Woo! Oh, okay. All right. Can I? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm laying down the foundation. We got to see that that very image of that tree of life is the image of the Father. And his son, Yeshua. It's very, I need y'all, it's very important to understand this. Picture. Let me see here. Okay. Imagine, I need you to stretch with me. This is the Torah. This is the scroll. Imagine this piece of paper in there between it. What? 
This is the Torah. Y'all got it? Like this, then I'm going to stretch it out, right? Y'all got me? <laughs> Make sure I got the right pronunciation. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you seen the Torah scroll? You got, you got the paper that's in the middle, and you got the two wooden posts right there, right? Um, that's what it, that's what we call them, the wooden posts, right? Hold it up, right? I'm gonna get Torah scroll too in here. All right, all right. So in the Jewish community, these would be called uh, that wood post, like we call them. Mm. They'd be called the etheim. That means tree of life. Oh. <laughs> I'm holding on. <laughs> so y'all don't get it. The wooden pose, that's what they're called. At time. Normally, see, normally we think that it's parchment, but it's not. What they write on is lamb skin. So in order for the word to receive the word, the lamb had to die to receive the word, for you to receive the word. It's written on lamb skin. The lamb had to die like Jesus for the word to come to you. So every time they're holding, they're holding the tree of life. And they unrolled. The scrolls were written at time. It's called the tree of life that they're holding on those wooden posts. And it's not parchment. It's, it's lambskin. So he had to die for the word to be written on it. The lamb had to die. Hmm. See, but keep all this because I'm, I'm going somewhere with all, all of it, okay? I'm going to show you how much you've been playing with the enemy. <laughs> they like, Pastor, don't tell me that one. See, in that scroll, you have it all in one. In the tree of life, it's all in one. Okay, woo, we getting there almost? Oh, we might be able to do it today. We might be able to get there. I think we're going to get there. I think we're going to get there, man. Hold on. Ah, okay. Woo. I'm just saying. <laughs> lambskin. No, it receives the word. The lambskin receives the word. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Real, okay. Okay, go to, go to Proverbs real quick. Proverbs 3. Mm. Three eighteen. Proverbs chapter three and verse eighteen. Quick, for they read it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
it still reads, she is a tree of life mm. to those who lay hold on her. Who lay hold on her. My God. What? Oh, go ahead, man. <laughs> and happy, blessed, fortunate, to be envied mm. is everyone who holds her fast. <laughs> now, y'all know this Old Testament, this titan shadow of Christ. Have you got? Maybe the, the whole horns of the altar. But we talk about the Torah, the tree of life. Possess it. You're going to emanate a fragrance that's pleasing to God. You ain't got to worry about, am I doing it? Get the fragrance. You sure will. Woo! The word of God is a tree of life. God commands his people and instructs them in the tree of life. Woo, I told y'all most Taurus go the lambskin. Well, let's jump on down. We can get on down here now. Mm, okay. Mm. I don't think we need to go to John 1.14, but go ahead anyway real quick. Just to make sure. I don't want nothing to be missed. So reads, and the word Christ became flesh, mm. human, incarnate, and tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us. Mm. We actually saw his glory, mm. his honor, his majesty, such glory as an only begotten son receives from his father, full of grace, favor, Loving kindness and truth. My God. That is the word. Is what you just heard. My goodness. Let, us, let, let me describe another attribute of the tree of life. Let's go to Revelation real quick. It's kind of parallel. Oh. Y'all getting something? Go to Revelation 22, 1. So reads, Then he showed me the river, whose waters give life, sparkling like crystal, flowing out from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the broadway of the city, also on either side of the river was the tree of life. Look at that with its 12 varieties of fruit, mm. yielding each month its fresh crop. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing and the restoration of the nations. My God. Whew. Listen to this. That tree is in the city of Jerusalem, the heavenly one. It's going to be transplanted from the garden to the city. As long as man remains sinless, he was allowed to eat of the tree. But as soon as he sinned, he was not allowed to eat its fruit. The fruit was the nourishment of life. It infused internal life into Adam's body. Or else it symbolized the perfection and life-giving environment God had given Adam. 
Whatever the case, the tree of life is now in the heavenly Jerusalem. I need you to note this. That the tree of life bears 12 crops of fruit, one crop each month. The tree bears fruit each year to symbolize a continuous fruit of giving or continuous life. That's why it bared every month continuously. Now, no tree does that. That's right. There is no time that the tree does not bear fruit. My friend, the fruit of the spirit. Look into y'all. It, it always bears fruit. It provides eternal fruit. Listen to it. It provides eternal fruit. Therefore, the person who eats of the tree of life is nourished by the fruit of eternity. He lives forever. First commandment is about eating. There's also another symbol here, bearing the fruit of the spirit. The person who eats of the tree of life will bear the fruit of the spirit eternally. The leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nation. That is, they provide a perfect life. These leaves prevent sickness and disease. They give the person who eats them a perfect body. This symbolizes the perfection that Christ gives, the perfecting healing and deliverance from all suffering that he gives. The perfect, listen, the perfect body that he will provide in that glorious day. See, because remember when he got his glorified body, he ate. See, see, he ate. See, you you got to understand why it's the first commandment is that you eat off of this tree. Continuously. When you go to heaven, you're going to be still eating. He showed you that. That's why he ate. What's mammon? What is that? Where is it from? They're eating. Okay. I go prepare. The marriage supper, we eating. See, y'all got to understand that commandment. Okay, maybe we'll get there now. All right. Woo, here we go. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. This tree produces life as well as healing. I'm going to cut and go through a little bit here. Uh, so you can also look at Psalms 107. You don't have to do it now. Uh, who did ate? That was Yeshua. You can go to Isaiah 53. By his stripes we were wounded. See, healing is provided in that tree. When you eat off that tree, healing is provided. Amen? That's why he said that in the scripture. Oh, all right. Now, um, we're going to jump and talk about that other tree. Can I talk about the other tree? <laughs> Woo, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to go back to Enoch. Can we go back to Enoch now? Go back to Enoch 32. Three. Listen closely. The two reads. Y'all got the picture of the first tree, right? And its fragrance, right? It says, and I came to the garden of righteousness, or Eden. I saw from afar off trees more numerous than these trees. And two great trees were there. Mm. 
very beautiful, glorious, and magnificent. Y'all know those two trees. Go ahead. The tree of knowledge, whose holy fruit they ate and knew great wisdom. That tree is in height like the fir, and its leaves are like the carob tree, and its fruits is like grapes, very, very beautiful. And the fragrance of the tree penetrates afar. Stop. So he described those leaves because they're familiar. Go ahead. Start that part right now, far off again. It says, the fragrance of the tree penetrates afar. Mm. Then I said, how beautiful is the tree and how glorious to look upon. Mm. Then the holy angel Raphael, who was with me, answered me and said, this is the tree of wisdom of which your old father and your aged mother, Adam and Eve, who were before you, have eaten. And they learned wisdom and their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and they were driven out of the garden. Hmm. Hold on. Hold on. It too produces a special fragrance. A fragrance mm -hmm, that is so powerful and alluring. See, you got to listen to what Enoch was saying. That it was so powerful and alluring afar off. Hadn't even got to it. He didn't say that about the tree of life, though. Its fragrance, you can smell, are far off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This tree needs to be understand. It is not like the other trees. This tree is beautiful, captivating, to the point that Enoch almost... Drawn into, it's, it, drawn into it, he, he was mesmerized, if you could hear what he was saying, by the tree. This tree was breathtaking. Who does that sound like? What does that tree of the good and knowledge represent? Go to Isaiah. Mm, I need y'all to stay awake. Come on. All right, amen. Go to, go to Isaiah, the prophet. He answers this question. He answers this question with the word. We ain't going nowhere else with the word. Ezekiel 28. Yeah, Ezekiel 28. Woo, come on. I'm going to do this thing today. Y'all going to let me do it. Okay. Come on. Hmm. Got to. Got to get it. Got to get it. Come on. 12. Verse 12. Just read 12. Just read 12. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so reads, son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you are the full measure and pattern of exactness, giving the finishing touch to all that constitutes completeness. Mm full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Sound just like the tree. See, but you got to understand something. The, the, the king of Tyre is merely a code for Satan. It's a euthanism. 
Y'all know what a euthanism is? This is really, this is why, and you got to know how the Bible uses these things. So he's describing Satan. But I'm using a euthanism. A euthanism is a mild or indirect word or expression substituted by one considered to be too harsh or blunt when referring to something unpleasant or embarrassing. I'm using a euthanism right now. I could really say some things about the Prince of Tyre. Okay, see, we don't read the Bible like that. We don't read it like that. Come on, come on here we go. It's a euthanism for the evil one. Uh, let's see here. This, this right here, what he's giving you goes way beyond the Prince of Tyre, uh, what Ezekiel was prophesying. Look at how he's described. Perfect and beauty and full of wisdom. This is the very description that Enoch gives regarding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember where the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was. It was right there, parallel with the um, tree of life. 13. It so reads. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Look at this. Every precious stone was your covering. The carnelian, topaz, jasper, chrysolite, beryl, onyx, sapphire, carbuncle, and emerald. And your settings and your sockets and engravings were wrought in gold. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. Those are the exact same stones that are in the high priest, ephod. The exact same ones, the engravings. He tells you all these things. Can you put that on a spirit? Or does you need a body? Maybe we don't understand these bodies. Maybe we don't understand a spiritual body. Because won't Jesus, a spiritual body now after he had his incorruptible on? Yeah, he walked. He wore clothes. He ate. Maybe we don't understand the spiritual body. Hmm. But he's telling you that these were in him. Okay. Okay. All right. Same thing that's in the high priest. I hope you're getting a picture of this right here. And then when you read it, there was a, even a special day. He was the angel above all. For him to be prepared and created, there was a special day set for him. Man, how beautiful was he. Go to Ezekiel. You're still there. Go 14 and 15. It says, you were the anointed cherub that covers mm. with overshadowing wings. And I set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire, like the paved work of gleaming sapphire stone upon which the God of Israel walked mm. on Mount Sinai. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity and guilt were found in you. Okay. All right. 
What do we know about the throne of God? Through the shadows in the Old Testament, which are imagined, they're shadows of the authentic. That's why you, you got, he's really describing the Ark of the Covenant. But it's God's throne. You saw that in Enoch when he talked about the seven mountains and the one that stood above all. That's the throne of God. You see that right in here. So he was there. He's telling you, I'm giving you a picture. He was there. We know that there were two cherubims that stood over the throne of God, the quiche. Satan was one of those angels. The closer we get to God, the more brilliant we are. Not in smart. Mm-mm. But in color. Brilliant. See, intellect and intelligence, that's the second part of that, brilliant. That's the second part, but the initial meaning of it means shining, dazzling, shining. See, the nakash, they call him, that's the shining one, the nakash, the shining one. Okay, when they went to the mountain of transfiguration, what happened? Moses came off the mountain, his face shined, shone. Because he was in the what? Presence of God. Something happened within him. Something that was is often dormant in you and your DNA was triggered. Only fleeting for a moment. You're not going to need the sun to light. You're going to have God. See? Shining, dazzled, vivid, intense, radiant, luminous. That's what it meant. Man, he really was in the presence of God. You can't get any closer to God than literally being at the throne. Ezekiel 16, 17. Real quick, we got to get this thing going. Oh, I got to hit it. Y'all it. <laughs> we don't get it. Come on. It says, through the abundance of your commerce, you were filled with lawlessness and violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing from the mountain of God. And the guardian cherub drove you out from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud and lifted up because of your beauty. Mm. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Mm. I cast you to the ground. I lay you before kings that they might gaze at you. I could go in further with the kings, but we're gonna, we got to keep it moving. I got to cut some corners. Go to Enoch 32.6. Enoch 32, 6. Then the holy angel Raphael, who was with me, answered me and said, This is the tree of wisdom, of which your old father and your aged mother, Adam and Eve, who were before you, have mm-hmm. eaten. And they learned wisdom, and their eyes were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they were driven out of the garden. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, Satan was driven out too, wasn't he? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of what? Sin? I got to cut this corner right here. Oh, okay. Go back to the Torah. Genesis. 3 1. I had to cut, I had to cut a corner because time is getting away. I got to get this. You got to get this part. Don't get nothing else. 
Genesis 3.1. It so reads, Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field, Come on. which the Lord God had made. Mm -hmm. And he, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said, You shall not eat from every tree of the garden? Mm. Has God indeed said? Look at what Satan does. He calls into question that which God had said. Did God really command that? Hold on, hold on. I'm going to build some here. He called, had God indeed said that? Listen to it. Did God really command that? This psychology Satan used is so perverse. Y'all need, need to understand it. If you don't get this, what the psychology he used when he said what he said was so perverse. When we studied this out, it's brilliantly wicked and unbelievable. This is the very same method he's using on the church today. Mm-hmm. Had God said. See, unless you understand when God says something and for you to challenge what God says, you, you have no idea who God is for you to actually go against God's word. This is perverse. This is what you just. Oh, my goodness. Okay, okay. This is the same method he's using today. This is the same modus uh, operandi or operandi, uh, operandi that he's using. It's the same movement that he's been using. Same modus operandi. His method of movement. He's still calling into question the commandments God taught in his Torah, teaching and instruction. He's still calling. Okay. Uh-huh. We question God's Sabbath. Do we? It's his same modus operandi, his same movement. He doesn't change. God doesn't change. He said, I'll change not. So guess what he's going to try to do? Mirror the same thing. It caused us to question the feast. Had God said. Listen to how Eve respond to have God really said. Genesis 3.2. Reading from the New King James Version. now. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Basically, he said, if you touch it, you're going to die. That's really it. Well, you can't eat the fruit unless you touch the fruit. Right? 
This is the response he gave Satan. Verse 3. Of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay. So Satan said, oops, I'm going to leave now. She's not going to do it. Is that what Satan did? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Read verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Die. I know y'all done heard this before, but let's go a little deeper. You will not surely die. Five little words. Sounds like a familiar, seeker-sensitive, watered-down, modern-day church. When grace apparently covers rebellion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Regardless of the things that you do, you will surely not die. This is what he's saying. It's okay. You can, you can still be homosexual, surely. God's grace, he, he will not die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can fornicate. Surely, you will not die. Okay, they ain't ready. Okay, okay. Teacher, I got to get here. I got to get here. Regardless. Of your rebellion. That's the same lie Satan is, has the believers to repeat. Okay. Basically what he's saying. You will not reap what you sow. That's what he's saying. Surely you won't die. If you eat from what I told you. Surely you won't die. No, he's telling her that you will not reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. This is why most of us can sit here and be in pride. Surely you will not reap what you sow. Unforgiveness. Surely you will not reap what you sow. Homosexuality. Surely you will not reap what you sow. God loves everybody. Lust. Surely you will not reap what you sow. Poor stewardship. Surely you will not reap what you sow. Once saved, always saved. Surely you will not reap what you sow. This list could go on to tomorrow. So this is what you read. You will not reap what you sow. That's in Galatians 6, 7, and eight, if you want to read it. So let's find out what's happening. Satan went in and stripped, teacher. Satan went in and stripped the fear of God from the commandments. He commanded you not to eat. Satan goes and strips the command, the fear of God, from the teaching last week. He strips it from the commandments. My Lord. If you strip away the fear of God, you will have disobedience and rebellion. See, if Eve didn't have to worry about dying, surely you won't die. 
if I could just not get you to worry about dying, that tree will look so much more appealing to you. That tree will look so much more appealing to you. Go, let's see what Apostle Paul said. Go to Romans 8. He strips fear from his commandment. He strips fear from his commandment. Oh, y'all ain't ready yet. I'm going to bring this thing to an end. Y'all wait. Y'all hanging in? All right. All right. April. (laughs) We're going to do this thing. Y'all ready? Romans 8, 13. It so reads. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. Mm. Mm -hmm. Come on. Come on. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit. See that? You are habitually putting to death, making extinct, deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body. You shall really and genuinely live forever. Mm. Tree of life. It's throughout the whole scripture. Tree of life. Come on. Choose this day who you will serve. Life and death. Two trees right there at the same time. Good God. Come on. Did you finish? Okay, that's good. I think they got it. So if you are or you partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is disobedience against God, let's analyze the tree for what it is. It is disobedience of God's command. That's what that tree represents. That's what it is. If you partake of its fruit, you are going to die. Paul here is talking about eternal life, which is the tree of life. Can we go a little further into the dialogue between Satan and Eve in verse 4? Okay. Here we go. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Mm-mm. Mm, my goodness. He fled out loud. You're not going to die. Watch this. Satan is peddling, listen, comfort in rebellion. Oh, my God. Okay, maybe we didn't get that one. Satan is peddling comfort in rebellion. Surely you won't die. Surely you won't die. He's peddling comfort in rebellion. God had already said, if you touch it, you're going to die. Okay. Okay. All right. Welcome to the modern church. He is peddling comfort in rebellion. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But that's what he does. Mm-hmm. That is, mm, that's not the full dialogue. 
Hold on. That's not the full dialogue. Can we go? So he's spelling comfort in rebellion. Right? That's in a modern day church. That's how we do it today. Woo! Verse 5. Mm -hmm. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Mm -hmm. He speaks an absolute truth because that's what God said. Hold up. Oh, my goodness. Hold up. Hold up. He, speak, he spoke the truth. Let's take a look at this one. E, you don't need the law. The law has been done away with. No need to study. <laughs> it's not for application. Despite what Yeshua said, and let's go to Matthew. Let's go see about this. You don't need the law no more. You know that's what they say. You're not under law no more. Let's go to the word. If, if I show you the word, will you believe it? Mm -hmm. Matthew 5. Comfort and rebellion. They ain't ready for the last part. I'm going to give them here. Go to the New Living Translation. because I think it does a better expression. Matthew 5, 17. Through 19. Go ahead. Quick, but I get it. <laughs> it so reads, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them mm. will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Mm, mm, mm. Woo! This is going to have to be a lot of explaining that pastors are going to have to do. Seminaries are going to have to do. See how you get caught up in religion? Stick to the word. Any pastor, anybody, come and tell me about the law. Is, is no, what did you read? That's him in red talking. Okay, all right, all right. Let's not forget, that was a command. So, after the command, here comes the lie. Just like in the garden. After the command, here comes the lie. Okay. Woo! The law has been done away with. You don't need it. So what does Satan do? He envelopes it in a beautiful truth. With this, Christ died for us. Y'all missed that. After the command, he wraps it in a beautiful truth. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
it was his, he used God, Satan used his word. But he already set forth the contempt against the word. Had God said, you know exactly what God said. That was a command. And you can't alter or change anything like he just read in the scripture. Any tittle, dot, nothing. You can't change anything from the command. But that's what we do. He wraps it up, envelopes it in a beautiful truth. With this, Christ died for us. We're under grace. This is the exact identical same modus operandi that you saw happening in the garden. It's the same one. To tell the lie and cover it up with a beautiful truth. That's what he did. Y'all need to see this. <laughs> yeah, he wraps it up. And covers it up in a beautiful truth. The truth is that Christ did die for us. And we are under grace. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he did it for us. We are saved by grace through faith. That not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. We are up against an adversary that is truly underestimated. Mm-hmm. In every way. He uses God's word against you. Wraps it up in a beautiful lie. God loves everyone. The Bible said, them that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He loves everybody. True. But them that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He keeps you. He puts comfort in your rebellion. How you sit here and still deal with pride? What's wrong with you? Do you see what happened to Satan? Teacher, how can we be so hardened to God? You know why? Because you look at man. You look at man. You don't look at God. For real, for real. I don't care what you say. How you sit in the presence of God and you don't acknowledge him? You don't open your mouth. You don't praise. You know why? Because you're in your carnality. And you're looking instead of actually knowing the presence of God. This is how you can sit there. And don't get mad. Don't get mad. I'm trying to help you. That's my job. Don't get mad. See, you're just comfortable. And the scripture that Ashanti read, did you read? He told you how to worship, how to praise, how to do everything in that scripture. And you still choose to create your reality. Instead of allowing, yielding to God. It's a terrible thing to stand before a righteous God. 
what's wrong? How, how come you don't love God? What is, what is it? What's the, what's the problem? See, the thing of it is, it, I like what we talked about earlier. If God commands you, your job is not to question. Your job is to do. Your job is to do. I don't understand it. Do it because he said it. He commanded it. Command means direction. It puts you in a direction. That's what the commandments do. It's to keep you connected to God. Find it funny. Enemy want to remove them. What? You take prayer out of schools. What happens? I didn't see this happen before prayer was in school. But prayer is out of school now. So when you allow that, rebellion, disobedience comes in. But the church is so busy, like the world, there's no separation. There's no power. So we look just like the world. We want to be accepted just like the You're called to be kadosh, separate. The world dictates to the church instead of the church dictating to the world. We compromise. That's why your musicians can't compromise. I wouldn't go into the secular world to do any collaboration. You got to come where I am. You got to come where I am. This is the right way to go. Part two next week. Which tree are you eating off of? You'll find out how you're nourished then. You'll find out where your strength is. You can't eat at the table with devils in the table of God. You can't drink out the same cup as God and devil. You can't do both. Okay. See, that's what we try to do. We try to mingle in. If you have an opportunity to be at the gathering, when the gathering is here, ask yourself, why, not, why aren't you here? Ask yourself that. You're going to find out which tree you're feeding from. I don't want it. I don't want it. It's, it's not good. That broccoli ain't good for me. It's going to get you into heaven. See, men love to serve themselves. They don't want to yield to God. Instead of just actually looking at me, hear what I'm saying. Amen. This is your life. Everlasting. I mean, what? You gonna give up a little habit? You sow into it, and you gonna reap from it. So if you sowing disobedient, guess what your harvest gonna be? Sometimes we learn by the word can't penetrate. That's right. Cause what you sowing, and that he said, and that and that only. Will a man reap? Come into the kingdom. That's all I'm going to tell you. Teacher, I'm done.
I hope y'all love it. Hopefully, Holy Spirit will give me some more to add to it next week. Um, man, this is a good time. It's a good time. It's a good time to be saved. It's a good time to get it right. Oh, man, it's a good time to walk in obedience.